Welcome to Full Blown Coverage, just another football podcast no one asked for. I'm Mark Sayer, and I'm joined each week by Andrew Irvin and Ken Menard. Unfortunately, we don't have Ken tonight. He's uh, battling COVID, as we discussed briefly last week when he did make an appearance, and our thoughts are with him as he recovers, wishing him a happy new year and many McDonald's hamburgers that we know he loves. Get better, Yeah, Ken, Ken thoughts out. Uh, we're going to do our best here. I feel, I feel like Ken's like the high volume shooter and Mark's, right. the point, Mark's the point guard of this podcast. And I'm like the sharpshooter that might make a shot every once in a while. So uh, we're going to trot uh, John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek out there tonight and see what happens. <laughs> That's right. It's not going to be the same without him, but we will do, we will do our best. Uh, the regular season is over. This is sort of a fun podcast because we're moving into the, the wild card round of the playoffs. But before we get into specific matchups, let's start with our weekly roundup. And we'll begin at the end, as we seem to do pretty often. Sunday Night Football, Washington at Philly. We all know what happened. Drew, does Doug Peterson hate the Giants more than winning? I don't know. I didn't take as much offense to it as some people. Uh, I think Giants fans were probably super upset. Uh, by the way, the Giants went 6-10 and 10 this year. Uh, he did say he was going to play Nate Sudfeld before the game started. I think the timing was obviously weird. He probably should have just done it out of halftime. Um, but I don't know. People bench players all the time. Like, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered some people out there. Uh, you know, those NFC East football fans are a prickly Well, certainly bunch. I don't think there's any question that the Giants fans are going to understandably be pretty perturbed by it. I mean, I, I, I took it as tanking intentionally. And I can see why – that would be offensive regardless of whether or not you were the giants. It sort of compromises the integrity of the game. Um, and I, I mean, look, look at the jets, right. They went on their two win rampage at the end of the season. Uh, they were playing to win those games. They shouldn't have, if they wanted to secure the number one pick, they should have tanked so that they got Trevor Lawrence. They didn't. Um, so I sort of understand, uh, you know, the, the ire Doug Peterson has drawn here. Um, not just from Giants fans, but from football fans in general. I'm conflicted because I understand how frustrating it would be for a coach to take the game away from the players, which are trying to win the game. Um, I also think it'll be interesting in retrospect to see what kind of pick they're going to get with the sixth overall pick instead of the ninth overall pick. Like could be a fairly big difference uh, of quality of player. And I don't know, it'll be, it'll be interesting, but. Man, I also think it would be tough for Doug Peterson to walk back into that locker room next year and oh god, I mean like say anything. He must have lost a lot of players with that. You have to imagine. What I think is the most hilarious thing about it is if you're going to tank, like you could at least hide it a little bit better than putting in <laughs> Nate Sudafed. You know, <laughs> why wouldn't you just start you know just put Carson back in? I was going to say at least Car- at least at least keep Carson active and see maybe you could at least sell it like yeah you know we wanted to see what he had left in the tank we spent a lot yeah. of money on him yeah uh, what are they gonna do with Wentz now I don't know they <laughs> they obviously have their backup all set with uh, Nate Sutfeld so <laughs> yeah they don't need a backup quarterback anymore in case they need to tank next year they don't need Wentz for that yeah so yeah. he's got the nickname he's the Titanic of the Eagles. <laughs> 
he helps them get draft picks. Hey, that's, that's a right. value. The Jets could have used a Nate Sudfeld, I think. They could. They definitely could have used, used him. <laughs> I am interested in where you think what the Eagles are going to do with Wentz, though, because, you know, uh, before this game and Peterson losing anyone else in the locker room, we all know, uh, you know, Wentz's relationship with him is, is rumored to be fractured beyond repair. They gave him what? Uh, $128 million extension last year. It's like $32 million a year. I think they'd hit like $35 million in dead cap space if they were able to even trade him today. But they have to trade him before March 17th, before his base salary is guaranteed and um, his roster bonus is paid out. Do you think it's possible they're able to get a team to take this guy on? Colts or Pats or I something? Do, I do, only because like – you're get, you're either going to take that hit as a, your backup quarterback, or you're going to take that hit um, moving on with an established starter. And I don't think that that relationship is really. I, I don't. I don't think you can bring that back. So it's at this point they've chosen to move on. Um, right. Clearly, you might as well. Yeah, <laughs> you might as well take the cap hit. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tough year. I feel really bad for their defensive players, especially. Yeah. Man, that's a proud franchise that is not very far removed from a Super Bowl. Like, I was thinking when we were just talking about Peterson walking back into the locker room, like, it's, I can't think of another example of a coach falling like so quickly from being at the top of the mountain to like, I don't know if Eagles fans would even buy him a beer if they saw him at the bar at this point. It's sort of, it's sort of like that movie, like, the football version of how to lose a guy in 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How to lose a football coach. Who would have thought that how to lose a football coach in 10 days would be losing a game when you were out of the playoffs by putting your backup quarterback in, in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game. Right. How to lose, how to lose a franchise in 10 months. <laughs> I think that's my original point though. Like I am conflicted because are the Eagles better off losing that game next year? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think you're wrong that the best thing for the Eagles is, you know, to lose that game if, if you're going to look at what they need to do to put stuff together to be a better team next year. I think the problem is at the top level of this sport, you play to win always, even if it means, shit, we're not going to have as good of a draft pick as we might like considering we were pretty bad this year overall yeah. and, and need to build something better. But, you know, I, I think you're going to have people land uh, where you're landing and you're going to have people that, you know, are Giants fans <laughs> and don't feel that way. And, and our football fans and don't feel that way. And frankly, I think that's where I, where I am. I, I don't like, I don't like the idea of tanking at this level of the sport. It bothers me. Yeah, but it's weird. It's weird what bothers people. Like benching Ben Roethlisberger didn't bother anybody because they were getting ready for the playoffs, but they weren't trying to win. Obviously, true. It's uh, just it's a dick move to do in the fourth quarter when you're only trailing by three, and there's another team whose destiny depends on it, and is assuming you're going to put your best foot forward. It's a dick move. Like I said, the timing wasn't ideal. He. Yeah. In my opinion, he should have done it in halftime. And I'm not, I'm actually, I'm not defending him. I'm just saying like, it does happen. I'm curious if like the front office wasn't involved at all in that only because 
He did say that he wanted to play Nate Sudfeld before the game happened. There's no way that if that was an issue that the GM, Howie Roseman, wouldn't have brought that up. What are you thinking? <laughs> like, no, we got to try and win this game. Like, I don't know. I, I, I know absolutely nothing. I just, I, just, I just think if you're saying you're going to play Sudfeld before the game, there is a predetermined outcome that you know is going to happen. Like he's seen him all time in practice. We saw him in the game. They, he can't, he did not look like an NFL quarterback. The second you say that you want to play him means you're not trying to win the game. And it is, I have to tell you, it's extra fucked up if it was the front office making him do that and that they're, they're too big of cowards to, to take the fall for it and force him to do it. If, if, if that's true, don't know whether or not it is, but Let's move on to the MVP discussion. Although I don't really want to talk about the MVP discussion since it's just fucking Rogers and Mahomes sort of boring. I'm more interested in talking about awards that don't exist, but should drew give me your top three fictional NFL awards. Okay. The award that bothers me the most in the NFL is the coach of the year award. It never goes to the best coach. It goes to the, coach that somehow salvaged a terrible franchise into a playoff berth or possible playoff berth. So we're going to rename this. We're going to split it into two categories. So the Tony D'Amato award uh, based off of Al Pacino in any given Sunday, lifetime, great coach always gets us named to the playoffs. Uh, We're in hell right now, gentlemen, believe me. Got Willie Beeman out there throwing BBs all over the place. Best best pep talk in sports movie history. Yes. Uh, That goes to Sean McDermott, man. The Bills, not only are the Bills, like, putting up points. I think Ken pointed this out last week. Like, they look like they're having the best time of their entire lives. Like, they cannot wait to play this weekend. And I wouldn't bet against him right now. Like whatever pep talks Sean McDermott's given is better than the like every inch or whatever that Tony D'Amato put out there. Like I'm going, I'm going Sean McDermott there. I love it. First AFC title since 1995, by the way, for the bills, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah he groomed Josh Allen, built the number two ranked offense. Perfect Tony D'Amato or made, made people want to play in Buffalo, New York. Like that's pretty good. Yes. Love it. So the second coaching award is what is actually what the NFL gives out is the most improved team award basically goes to that coach. Um, we're going to call that the Gordon Bombay award sticking on the, uh, <laughs> love it. So you know, Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Guys in trouble, doesn't want to be there. Emilio turns Estevez around, is drunk. Around. <laughs> yeah. Kind of looks like Emilio Estevez. Um, we're going with uh, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, yeah, Browns. Browns coach. Browns coach uh, Kevin Stefanski, who's almost definitely going to get the award anyways, but we're going to call it the Gordon Bombay Award. I was waiting for him to unveil the new Bear Browns uh, uniforms for their playoff game. That would be appropriate after yeah. Mighty Ducks. Yeah. But slight tangent. Is there a more Browns thing 
than making the playoffs for 18 years and then not having your coach <laughs> for that playoff game. Yeah, because he's, well, he's, he's on the COVID protocol. He's right? on COVID. Yeah. God. Oh, it is. It is the most Browns thing. You finally finally make have your first playoff appearance since the 2002 season, <laughs> but you don't have your head coach. Which, by the way, uh, we'll get to this when we talk about the specific games. Kind of scary because I feel like Stefanski is a big reason they are where they are. You know? Oh, Baker's Baker's going to be out there drawing plays in the mud. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, they called this they they called that play that he rushed for the first down that sealed the game the Maserati. Yeah, play. There might be a lot of Maseratis on Sunday. Truly, <laughs> I love it. Well, what else? You you got a third award? I got I got two more. Oh, love it. Um, I know you're not a baseball guy. Yeah, true. But do yourself a favor and Google Satchel Page. Uh, he played uh, he played the game of baseball until he uh, had to take a wheelchair on his way to first base. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's been fun to compare all these old quarterbacks all year. Um, you know, Philip Rivers. Yeah, pretty much the same Philip Rivers we've always seen. He's done some good things, made some terrible decisions. Yeah, we've talked enough about um, the Iron Lung Drew Brees. Yes, Mr. Iron Lungs. <laughs> Which I I cringe every time he drops back there. Like, I know, man. I just hope he doesn't play the wrong team in the like. I just don't want to see Aaron Donald tackling Drew Brees this postseason. That's, that's yeah. like my, my, Christmas, my late Christmas <laughs> wish for him. I actually I thought of Drew Brees when Justin Fields took that hit in the mm-hmm. in the semifinal game against Clemson, and I was oh, like, yeah. Jesus, this is oh. like the same thing. And the fact that that guy went back out there through six oh. fucking touchdowns. <laughs> If Justin Fields was in the NFL, he wouldn't play for the next six weeks. But they're I like, yeah, hey, him up. You don't get paid for this. Get yeah. out there. <laughs> There's your difference between NFL and college. But as it as much as it hurts me, Tom Brady's been good, man. Like he really yeah. has. Can't like, deny it. Everybody, everybody hates on the guy. He's threw 40, he threw 40 touchdowns. He's older than the amount of touchdowns he threw. He's got weapons, but man, my my satchel page award. Is Tom, going to Brady. Tom Brady, yeah, love it. Makes sense, yeah. Tom's been fucking great this year. You can't deny it. It's irritating, but it's true. And then the worst part about uh, Ken not being here is we have a couple homers on our podcast. Uh, some Seahawks fans. So my last award is about as homer as I've got on this podcast, but I'm going with the Bubble Boy Award. The bubble boy. And it goes to the entire Seattle Seahawks team. I think they should, I think they should hang a banner right next to the uh, Super Bowl banner. No COVID cases. Zero COVID cases. Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Congratulations. Seahawks. Love it. You guys. Uh, they, should, mass- they should get an award for that too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. They, it'd it's be pretty, a very, it's pretty impressive to do that. I mean, it'd honestly. Be very, it'd be a very Seattle thing to do. You know, it would be line up all the nurses that have them raise the have them raise the flag, the no COVID flag. Yeah, on this over the space needle. 
Well, I've got we'll three. Take our, uh, <laughs> okay. I've Let's got three yours. awards. Of course, my, my, mine seem to have a little less thought than yours <laughs> than yours do. Uh, my first award, which is just a giant oversized Donald Duck t-shirt that I'm calling the Jamarcus Russell Award, is going to Dwayne Haskins. It could be his bib at the strip club. <laughs> my second award is the Matt Barkley Award, which I just give to Matt Barkley every year. He continues to play in the NFL and hasn't become a commentator or some sort of sports analyst. Seriously, every USC quarterback, it's like if you make it over five years in the NFL and you played at USC, you're Truly. Uh, ESPN or Fox just hands you a microphone. Truly. It's amazing. And it's so funny, too, because at the time, the hype is so high on all these guys. <laughs> Definitely. They're all five-star, yeah. Yeah. big-time recruits, and then uh, they end up on the B set of uh, Fox or ESPN. Exactly. My final award is the Rudy Award, named after, was it 1993 movie, Sean Astin, Rudy, which uh, in, in the spirit of against all odds and his enthusiasm, I'm handing to Nate Sudafed Sudfeld. <laughs> he tried. Because he tried. He did what he had to do. And in doing what he had to do, succeeded because the Eagles now have the number six pick in the draft, which is what we're moving into next. Wait, was was Nate was Nate Sudfeld just like a lifelong Eagles fan that won some contest? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's how you became. What is this a Mark Wahlberg movie? Is there even a movie? Who is it? What is the name of that movie? I can't remember. Uh, me neither. Oh god, that movie is. I think that is a movie. movie. That was Nate. That was Nate Sudfeld. Yeah. and they they promised Nate. him some snaps. And they gave they they yeah. delivered. Nate Sudfeld probably religiously watched that movie for the last several years, and you know, sure enough, dreams do come true. <laughs> we've also <laughs> never we've never had the appropriate name for like the quarterback that has no shot, and at least at least now, like in the fourth quarter, some guy comes in and you can just tell say like, oh, they're just gonna Nate Sudfeld this, aren't they? Yeah, this is just a total Sudfeld. We're getting sued <laughs> offended. <laughs> All right. With the regular season now officially over, the first 18 picks of the draft are finalized. We know the Jags will take Lawrence the top pick, but uh what do the rest of these losers do, Drew? Man, so much weird stuff happens after the NFL season. I've always thought like NFL season ends, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. Josh Fields maybe is the guy. I hope that Trevor Lawrence is is the number one pick because that's the obvious decision to make. And I think people have been trending that direction. But like weird stuff happened. And well, let me well let me ask you this: D- Does the loss to Ohio State in the CFP semifinals change your opinion of Lawrence at all? Because he didn't look amazing. Hopefully, they're smarter than. Um basing their next 10 to 15 years off of one game. Well, you would Uh, hope, but I feel like, I mean, this is like the crazy thing is I often think these games kind of matter because it's the last thing people remember before the combine, you know, you're right. And other than playing a decent Notre Dame game team twice this year, like Clemson wasn't really challenged. Um, You could say the same thing about Ohio state. I think they only played six games. They, they did. Uh, Granted, they won Fields all looked, of them. Fields looked terrible against Northwestern. Um, 
I don't know. I, I do think, I do think he's a, he's a once in a lifetime talent. So Jags take Lawrence. I think, I think the Jags take Lawrence. I, yeah. I think the Jets decision is interesting, which makes the Dolphins decision even more interesting. Like, 100%. I mean, the um, question for the Jets, right, is t- to start, even to determine where they're going with this is to Darnold or not to Darnold, right? Yeah. I mean, depending on what they do there drastically affects who they're taking here. Um well, I mean, totally, what, do you, what do you think? Do you, do you hold on to Sam Darnold and you take an offensive lineman here like Panay Sewell, or are you going quarterback and getting rid of Sammy? I think you do both. I think you hold on to Sammy. I think you draft fields, to be honest with you. You have to find a quarterback. We've seen that they're hit or miss. Like it's, it's 50-50 whether this guy's going to take off. I don't think the book is closed on Darnold yet. So I think they should take fields. But – that makes the Dolphins pick less interesting because I think Tua is going to be really good. I just hope that they don't close the book on him too soon. Um, I agree. I think it's, you know, it's interesting too. There's a lot of other analysts that are putting uh, BYU's Zach Wilson above Justin Fields here and, you know, thinking he's a better fit for the Jets. A thing to me, Zach Wilson kind of feels like a carbon copy of Sam Darnold. Yeah. You no, know, I, whereas I think Justin Fields is way more interesting, different type of pick for them. In my opinion, more dynamic overall. But uh, it's weird to me that you have so many people putting putting Wilson here above Fields. Yeah, I think you take Fields. It's it's similar to uh, what the Cardinals had to deal with with Kyler Murray. They had Josh Rosen. Um, they picked him very high up in the draft, and then they still take they still took Kyler Murray. I think the Jets should take fields and see what happens because you're not going to win the NFL without a quarterback. And I hope that happens because I think two is going to be a good quarterback and I like the dolphins. And I, I think it'd be awesome to see them get the, the best non quarterback prospect in the draft. I don't think the dolphins jump at anyone if fields and Lawrence are off the board. Um, and you look at the next few picks after that, like, they have quarterbacks. Um, I guess the Falcons could try and play replace Matt Ryan. The Lions could try and replace Matt Stafford, but and definitely the Panthers. But I, I think the third quarterback falls away, and I think the Dolphins are sitting there. I think they're going. They're going value here, right? They they need a linebacker, and and the number three ranked draft prospect happens to be one. It's Penn State's Micah Parsons. I think if. Uh, if, if you know Lawrence and Fields are off the board here, I I think they're going Micah Parsons. Um, maybe maybe if they're trying to go with a sexier pick and go offensive, they're going with LSU's standout receiver Jamar Chase, who's the top ranked wide receiver in the draft and ranked number five overall. Wouldn't shock me either. Devonta Smith, who just won the Heisman Trophy tonight, true, looks amazing. True. Um, I think people out think some things but he he looks really good and he show he's showed that he can take short passes and take them to the house and I think somebody like Tua could really use a dynamic receiver he's got Devontae Parker who can catch some jump balls yeah they they could use somebody to join Parker though yeah I I Chase or or Smith both make a ton of sense to me there and they got their defense like I mean they have a defensive coach they have they had the best defense in the NFL this year I think taking an explosive wide receiver right there would be pretty fun for Tua and 
I just I, I really hope they don't take a quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, he's gonna stay with the Falcons or are they using him as trade bait? Are they gonna draft a quarterback here, the number four pick. What do you mm. think? I'm thinking they use him as trade bait. I think they take the best available quarterback here, which is either going to be Justin Fields if he falls or Zach Wilson, probably. If they mm-hmm. don't, the other needs that I know they need are an edge rusher or a linebacker. So Michigan's Quiti Pay or Penn State's Micah Parsons, if he's still available, wouldn't surprise me. I also wouldn't be surprised if Caleb Farley, cornerback from Virginia Tech, uh, also goes here, which seems to be a popular pick projection for a lot of analysts as well. Yeah, I think it depends who falls. Yeah. Like, if you can get one of those two elite quarterbacks, obviously Lawrence is off the board by then. But if you can get Fields, maybe you think about it. Um, Falcons are a ways away still. So, I think they yeah. start It's going to depend on who's, who winds up as head coach there, too, and what sort of rebuilding paradigm they institute. Uh, you know, and we'll see what happens in the next couple months with that. Uh, Bengals are the number five, and then – We'll move on. Uh, what do you think? I mean, they've got the the worst offensive line in the league, which is going to prevent Joe Burrow from being Joe Burrow if they don't. Yeah, they they saw what happened to Burrow's leg. Yeah, they're going offensive line. Makes yeah. too much sense. This is either Panay or uh, maybe Rashawn Slater. Oh, one of those two guys will follow them. No yeah. brainer for the Bengals. You just picked Joe Burrow, who I think was awesome this year. I was. So bummed to see him go down. Um, got to got to protect that leg. Hundred percent. I know. I said we were going to move on, but I do want to do the six pick too, since we were just talking about the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> even if the Eagles trade Wentz, which I expect them to do, we're both pretty confident they're rolling with Jalen Hurts. Then, so I'm guessing what they need is a star receiver. So this is what do you think? Best receiver 100%. available? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Chase Lamar or Devonta Smith, Smith there. Yeah. Whichever one's left, that's a great pick. Like they're yeah. sitting. Or like if they're I, gone, maybe Jalen. Back to Waller. our previous yeah. conversation, maybe neither one of those guys were available. They're obviously the two elite receivers of this draft, and now they're available because they lost that game, and no one's going to care when the draft comes around. Correct. This is like a three-day news cycle type of thing. They catch some heat. We're, we're going to be talking about the playoffs. Yeah for the rest of January and February. And then nobody will remember this stupid game that everybody's upset about right now. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, let's move into our chalk talk. This is a fun week. It's the first uh, weekend of the playoffs wild card round. We've got six games, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. Our first game on Saturday is the Indianapolis Colts plus six and a half at the Buffalo Bills. We're also going to discuss the over-under bet on these games, and that is 51.5 on this particular game. Drew, are you taking on the spread? What do you think on the over-under? I would not want to mess with the Bills right now. Last three games, they put up 48 points, 38 points, and 56 points. And that 56 one was going against the Miami defense, who everyone considered the best defense in the NFL, who needed to win to make the playoffs. If they had won 56 to zero, they still would have covered your over under that you dropped there earlier, 51 and a half. So I, I wouldn't mess with the Bills right now. They're just, they're fun, man. I totally agree. I think also four of the Colts' five losses, last five losses, or no, I'm sorry, not last five, five losses total are against teams in the playoffs. 
Um, although yeah. they beat the Titans and the Packers each once this season, nearly all of their wins are just against sub 500 teams. Um, as you said too, I, Bills look like an offensive monster. They rank number two overall in offensive yards per game. They're the third ranked passing offense. The Colts are number eight overall in yards allowed per game, but they're the 20th ranked passing defense. I expect both of these defenses to make some impact plays, but I think Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs both have heydays. Take the Bills on the money line and on the spread, if anything less than a touchdown. Um, hey, I didn't give my pick yet. Oh, I thought you were taking the Bills. <laughs> I might have been. I wasn't done. Well, who are you taking? Well, first I wanted to talk about awesome it is that Frank Reich is coaching against the Bills, the biggest comeback NFL playoff history, which actually just made me really miss the Oilers. Like, God, the Oilers mm-hmm. were such a fun team to watch. Warren Moon. Uh, yeah. Massive comeback. I miss the Oilers. True. Next thing up, I I do still think uh, – the Colts will keep this fairly close. Rivers will make a Rivers mistake. Yeah. Um, Colts have a good defense, too. They do. Yeah. It's not going to be a blowout, but I'm taking the over and I'm taking the Bills. Um, six and a half seems like a great bet to me. Yeah, I, I, agree, like on, this, I agree on both. I like this, like this spread maybe more than any of the other ones. Yeah, I agree on both fronts. Let's move on to the Los Angeles Rams plus four at Seattle Seahawks. The over-under on this game is 43. Wolford, say what you want about him. He added an element to that Rams offense that they didn't have. Um, when the Seahawks played the Rams in week six, week 16, Goff would roll out on these designed bootlegs that Sean McVay brilliantly schemes up, but like, you know there's no chance that he's taken off for five or ten yards. So mm-hmm. KJ Wright and the rest of the linebackers just don't respect his legs. Um, they don't break off the wide receiver or the tight end. And Goff ends up either throwing the ball away or taking a sack or whatever. Um when we should we should back up too and say McVeigh isn't sure or hasn't committed to whether or not Goff's going to play, but it sort of sounds difficult or, or like he might not, given the weather conditions in Seattle. It's cold, you know, might be hard to throw for him in particular. Is it cold? They say highs 49 degrees. Well, you live there. Just I know. It's cold, right, it's cold right now. I'm, yeah, of course it is. Uh, Let me if ask Goff, you. If Goff doesn't go, John Walford will play. Let me ask you, as yeah. a Seahawks fan, who would you rather face? Cause I, it's shocking to me that like, I, I have a, I have to think about the answer. Yeah, I agree with you. It is shocking that I have to think about the answer as well. I, I don't know. I, one game from Wolford doesn't prove anything to me. I, I would think that there would be more question marks on their end um, with him. Although that could go both ways. Maybe, you know, maybe he winds up coming out and has a great game and puts something together against Seattle that they haven't seen before. Whereas you kind of know what you're going to get with golf and, you know, maybe if he's playing through an injury, he's not playing as well as he normally would or something. Um, I also think a lot of, you know, what happens with this game is going to come down to whether or not Jamal Adams winds up playing. Um, I know we had talked briefly before we started recording I had heard that he was trending toward playing 
Andrew has some alternative thoughts on that based on what happened during the game and, and, and maybe what has happened since Drew, what do you think? Jamal playing? Yes. No. He is just such a like buoyant dude. And he looked freaking devastated every time they showed him on the sideline, like blank face, no excitement. Um, He looked looked like somebody told him his mom died. He looked absolutely terrible. So I, I try to read things off of what I uh, see and not so much what the, the media or the public relations for the team tells you and everything that, I'm sensing feels to me like he's not going to play one, his face after that injury happened mm-hmm. Two, Pete Carroll dodging questions all in his three pre- press conferences so far. It's been, I don't know. We'll see game time decision, which he's such a dynamic player that um, if you were the Seahawks, why would you rule him out right now? Like he's somebody that you, you have to want bring- teams to prepare Exactly. He's somebody you have to game plan around. Yeah. Um, and number three, I follow him on Twitter and he's a very active Twitter user and he hasn't been Posted very active anything. on Twitter for now three days. Interesting. So. I guess the, the rebuttal would be on the 10 thing is that he's just such an enthusiastic player and wants to play, wants to be on the field that even getting told, you don't get to go back in this game when he's saying it doesn't really hurt. I can do it. Put me back in. And they say, no, that that's what makes him pissed. And he's just mad that he's not on the field, but you're not reading it that way. It's possible, but yeah, I'm skeptical of it. Um, I do think Seattle's defense has been playing well enough to overcome that um, loss, but it would be, It'd be tough. It'd be tough. Um, I mean, with it, they had really struggled when Adams was not with them, was not starting. Absolutely. And and when you look at these last seven or so games that he's been in, and what the defense has done um, with getting everybody healthy, is they're they're simply put one of the best defenses in the league um, in the last seven games. Which is why I, I mean this this is a tough game and this is a tough. I mean, you and I could sit here and talk about this for two hours, but you know, as a Seahawks fan, I, I think it's hard. You you sort of have to ignore overall season stats of this team and you know focus on on the games that went well and the games that didn't and 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 why and try to discern you know something between those lines. And to me, it's it's their offense that's struggling now. It's the defense is there, so I'm not concerned about the defense showing up. Um, I would be more concerned about it if Adams isn't there. I, I think the bigger question here is what Seattle offense are you going to get on Saturday? Well, if you whether you like it or not, as a Seahawks fan, it's clear to me that the Seahawks have decided to focus on not turning the ball over early in the game. They like to, you know, feel their opponents out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating as hell. But I, I think that explains a lot of the Russell Wilson thing. And it, I know you've been critical of the offensive line, but he's taken more sacks because he's decided that that's the choice that the franchise wants to make. Um, not making those risky throws. And against the Rams, man, like 
you know, Jalen Ramsey is going to be on DK mm-hmm. the majority of the time. Um, as a Seahawks fan, I'm hoping that they do what they did last week and find um, Tyler Lockett on those underneath routes and stuff like that. But there's no way – this actually leads me to my spread pick. There's no way that the Seahawks are going to push the ball against the Rams. Um and they're not going to make bad decisions and they're totally fine with taking this down to the fourth quarter and it's going to stress us both out. Um, But I I had to pick the Rams to cover. I think the Seahawks are going to win. I think they're probably going to win by a field goal um, by three or one. Um, Seahawks will win, but it's the kind of game the Seahawks want to play right now. Um, I don't think Adams is going to play. So I got the Rams covering Seahawks winning and I'm, I'm taking the under. I'm with you on, on all three points. I think this is a close game. I think it's most games that Seattle plays are close games that are decided by only a few points for the most part. In particular, I feel like our division games usually are. Um, This is a game I would not bet on if I were you. But if you did, I would take uh, Seattle on the money line, but I would take Rams on the spread. Um, And I would take the Rams on on any spread if they're plus three or more. Definitely take them. I think, as Andrew said, this game's likely going to be decided by Jason Myers' field goal. I'm also going to take the under. Seattle, as I said, makes for entertaining games, but Rams are ranked number one in points allowed per game, and Seattle isn't far behind that if you only consider the last seven games where they've allowed less than 17 points to be scored. It's going to be also like you game. said, what's the weather like? Could we call Steve Poole in and see what the right. <laughs> temp is like on Sunday? Yeah. It's going to be a chilly 49. It's yeah. raining, like. raining or not raining? Well, let me look. I can look on my phone right here. I did not look. The weather app says... You also get weather on this podcast. Ah, it says no rain. Oh, there you go. Who knows if that's true. It's raining every other day. Uh. (laughs) Let's move on to our third game on Saturday, which is Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus eight and a half at Washington. The over-under is 45. Drew, what do you think? Um... I will say this. I think the uh, Washington football team has half of the ingredients that it takes to beat Tom Brady. Uh, I think they can put pressure on him, and he hasn't seen that in a while. I looked at the Bucs schedule. They they really have beaten one good team this season. They beat yeah. the Packers, which yeah. looking back is shocking now, but they've been stacking up wins against some pretty shitty teams. Yeah. Um, Ron Rivera is always matched up against well against Bruce Arians. And I don't know when you get eight points, eight and a half points in the playoffs at home, you take it. Um, I, again, I think the Bucks win. I just, uh, I think, I think Washington will make it ugly. Therefore I'm actually going to take the under and uh Bucks win. Totally agree with you. Again, I, I everything that you just said, and, he, and here's the other thing to throw on top of that, Tampa Bay <clears throat> might win, but they tend not to win by large margins against good defenses. 
And Washington is the number two ranked defense in total yards allowed per game and number two specifically against the pass, um, which is what Tampa Bay relies on. They're not the number seven ranked offense because their rushing game is good. It's because they have the second ranked passing offense. They're number 28 in rushing. Um, I think you take bucks on the money line, but I think you take Washington on uh, any spread if it's plus seven or more. I'm also agreeing with the Andrew, take the under. Both of these teams are in the top 10 in points allowed per game. Most likely uh, it, it falls under that benchmark. Especially since uh, Washington said that they're going to rotate quarterbacks. That's never a good thing when you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think the key to the key to beating Tom Brady obviously is uh, putting pressure on him. And that defense is good, man. And maybe Alex Smith will come out there and he'll play well, and they won't have to rotate quarterbacks. I. It seems weird that he would say that ahead of time. I don't really get that. Yeah, it might be that might just be trying to throw another stick in the spokes of Bucks game plan oh. preparation too. You know, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's get to Sunday. Uh, our first game, really fascinating game to me, particularly since uh, the favored team is the away team and is the only away team that's favored in this play in the, these playoff this these six games. I should say <laughs> is the Baltimore Ravens minus three at Tennessee Titans. Again, um, when I say that a game is a toss up, to me. Yeah. which I think this is. Um, I'll take the home team when they're getting three points. Yeah. Uh, so I really think it could go either way. Ravens obviously pissed from last last season when the when they were knocked out of the playoffs by the Titans. But, I mean, that formula is, is there. Uh, they only allowed 12 points to him last year. Tannehill still is kind of underrated. I think he makes some plays. Justin Tucker is so freaking money, though. I think the Ravens win, but I think it's going to be less than three points. So I got the Titans to cover and the Ravens win. I'm going a little a little differently here. I think the team with the better rush defense wins this game, and that's Baltimore. Both of these teams rank in the back half of passing offenses. Uh, the Ravens, are in fact, are the worst in the league. Uh, but the Ravens are also the number one ranked rush offense. The Titans are right behind them at number two. The advantage will go to the team, in my opinion, that does the better job defending the rush. And my bet is on the Ravens, who I take on the money line and any spread that is less than touchdown. That being said, I agree with Drew. This is going to be a banger. Both these teams are in the top 10 in offensive points scored per game. So I expect it to be high scoring, which is why I am taking the over. Oh, I took the over too. I forgot to say that. Yeah. Over. We're both in agreement on that. Uh, let's move into Chicago Bears with the biggest spread, plus 10 at New Orleans Saints. And I'm not fooled by this Bears resurgence, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, they've lost seven of their last 10 games. The three wins of those 10 were against the Texans, the Vikings, and the Jaguars. I don't know. I feel like people have short memories and I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not fooled by them. Um, yeah. Trubisky is a mess. They're calling all these short passes for him. Uh, New Orleans defense is going to eat that up. Totally agree. Uh, sounds like Kamara is going to play. Yeah. He's off the COVID protocol by Sunday. Sounds like he's likely to play. And 
Michael Thomas, back off injured reserve. Yeah, blowout city. Yeah, totally agree. What do you think on the over-under, though, 47.5? I just don't know if the Bears are going to put up enough points. Um, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under there. I went back and forth on this, but I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be under that because I don't, I don't think the bears are going to score more than 10 or 14 points. Yeah. That's sort of where I started originally. I'm actually going to take the over and I'll explain why here in a second, but I agree with you. I think the saints win. No question. Chicago's 26 ranked offense, no match for saints, fourth ranked defense. We all know the saints can score points. The question simply becomes a spread. Do they do it by more than 10? I think if Kamar and Thomas are playing, the answer is a definitive yeah, they definitely do. Saints by at least 14, if not more, which is why I'm going to take the over because I think there's a possibility here that even if the Bears only score 10 points, that the Saints put up 40. All right, let's move into our final game, which is the Cleveland Browns plus six at Pittsburgh Steelers playing back-to-back weeks. Of course, Steelers will have a different Quarterback this time, Mason Rudolph will be on the bench. Big Ben will be back in. The over-under is 47. Drew, what do you think on this last game? And I'm not sold by that one Steelers win. Um, Mm -hmm. I know Stefanski's out. People are probably going to make a big deal out of that, but I think he has capable people there making decisions. I think that Miles Garrett is able, and their entire defensive line is able to pressure Big Ben enough I think it's going to be close. I kind of like that the line keeps getting bigger. Um, I would take that extra gift. I think the Browns cover plus six. That running back tandem, man, they're they're built yeah. for the playoffs. They're going to run the ball. Baker is obviously a very, very polarizing player, but um, I think he gets it done, man. I think he's motivated to win. I think he's motivated to prove people wrong. I agree with you. I, I, I think something – I think something feels tired in Pittsburgh to me. I can't even put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. And and like you said, Browns, they got the number three rushing offense. I think it gives them a slight advantage here, even for Baker, because I I think it'll open up the pass against the Steelers' stout pass defense um, just because rushing game is so good. Steelers are better defending the pass than they are at rushing, although they're number 11th ranked rush defense so they've got something to put together but more than that they just Steelers don't look good offensively to me yeah I think their run game gets shut down by the Browns top 10 rush defense too they'll be forced to rely on the pass which will make defending it easier for the Browns even if Stefanski's not there I I I think they're just going to be able to take control of this game I don't think the Browns just win the game on a backdoor cover. I think they win straight up I'm taking Browns on money line and the spread but I would take the under I think, I think this will be a close game. Yeah, I still got the over. I think, I think, uh, I think they'll hit the over on this. But I agree with you on the Browns. Um, yeah, and I, I love those extra two points because the head coach is out. Like I, I think yeah, it, if Browns. anything, it'll if anything, it'll be a rallying cry for the Browns. It'll be good. All right, that's all we've got for this week's episode. But tune in next week for more full blown coverage. <laughs>